like to take this opportunity to wish all of you a very blessed Feast of the Sacred Heart. The epistle for the Mass today is taken from St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 3. Brethren, to me the least of all the saints is given this grace, to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to enlighten all men that they may see what is the dispensation of the mystery which hath been hidden from eternity in God, who created all things, that the manifold wisdom of God may be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places through the church, according to the eternal purpose which he made in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all paternity in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened by his Spirit, with might unto the inward man. That Christ may dwell by faith in your hearts, that being rooted and founded in charity, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. To know also the charity of Christ, which surpasseth all understanding, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. And the Holy Gospel. It's taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 19. At that time, the Jews, because it was the parashiv, that the bodies might not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that was a great Sabbath day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. The soldiers therefore came and they broke the legs of the first and of the other that was crucified with him. But after they were come to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear opened his side, and immediately there came out blood and water. And he that saw it hath given testimony, and his testimony is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that you also may believe. For these things were done, that the scripture might be fulfilled. You shall not break a bone of him. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Thus far the words of the Holy Gospel. My heart hath expected reproach and misery, and I looked for one who would grieve together with me, but there was none, and for one who would comfort me, but I found none. These words are taken from the offertory verse of the Mass today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear friends, there's somewhat of a unique story about a young man that I'd like to share with you this evening. This particular young man was very proud of his strong and healthy heart. In fact, he was so proud of his heart that one day he went to the middle of the town and he loudly proclaimed to the passers-by that he had the most beautiful heart of all. Soon a large crowd gathered before him, and they all admired the young man's heart. For it was indeed perfect in every way. Not a single mark or flaw was in it. And thus everyone in the crowd agreed that it was truly the most beautiful heart they had ever seen. 
Now, as the young man continued to boast of his heart, another voice was heard in the crowd. Son, the voice said, Your heart is not nearly as beautiful as mine. Hearing this challenge, the young man began searching the crowd for the person behind the voice. And as he did, an elderly man emerged from the mass of people. In an instant, all eyes were on the white-haired man and his heart. And although the old heart beat strongly, it was not smooth and shiny as the young man's was. Instead, it was full of scars. It had places where pieces had been removed and other pieces inserted. But the inserted pieces did not fit quite right, and so there were several uneven edges. In some places, there were even deep gouges where pieces of the heart were missing altogether. The people stared at the man in disbelief. How can he say that he has the most beautiful heart of all, they thought. The young man looked at the battered old heart, and he started to laugh. You must be kidding, he said. Compare your heart with mine. Mine is perfect and smooth. Yours is old and a mess of scars and tears. How can you say that your heart is more beautiful than mine? It's true, the old man said, yours looks perfect, but I would never trade my heart for yours. You see, every scar in my heart represents a person to whom I have given my love. I tear out a piece of my heart and I give it to them. And often they give me a piece of their heart which fits into the empty place in mine. But because the pieces are not exact, you see some rough edges in my heart, which I cherish because they remind me of the return of love made to me. Sometimes the man continued, I give away a piece of my heart, but the other person refuses to give me a piece of his. These are the empty gouges in my heart, and though they are painful, they remind me of the love I have for these people too, and I hope that someday they may return and fill the space I have waiting or that another will fill it in their stead. All who looked on listening to the young man's, the old man's speech were touched by his words. The young man was so moved that he approached the old man. He reached into his young and beautiful heart, and he removed a piece of it. He then placed it in the feeble hand of the old man who gratefully took it and placed it in his own heart. The old man then took a piece of his scarred heart and he gave it to the young man 
who inserted it in the vacant place in his heart. It fit, but not perfectly. There were some uneven edges in the young man's heart. The young man looked at his heart, and he noticed that it did not look shiny and smooth as it used to. But he realized that it was now far more beautiful than ever before. This fictional story, my dear friends, calls to mind another story, a true story, about the love of God for man. As you know, after the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind was doomed to eternal misery, and there was no one to save him. But because Almighty God has a most special, incomprehensible love for man. He sent his only begotten son not only to redeem us, but to show us just how much he loves us. And this our Lord did by enduring all the gruesome torments of his passion and death. With every lash of the scourging, It was as though he took a piece of his heart and he gave it to us. With every thorn that pierced his sacred head, with each nail driven through his hands and his feet, with the lance that pierced his side and gashed open his heart, with each of these he gave us, so to speak, a piece of his heart. And he hoped that this would be enough. He hoped that this would be enough to win man's love. He hoped that this would move men to readily give him a piece of their hearts. But it seems that it was not enough. For far too many men did not return his love. Many more were ungrateful to him, treating him with indifference, coldness, and contempt, and even hating and despising him. And thus, how often our divine Savior has been forced to repeat those most sorrowful words from the book of Psalms. My heart hath expected reproach and misery. And I looked for one who would grieve together with me, but there was none. And for one who would comfort me, but I found none. And so, like a beggar seeking alms, our divine Savior went looking for someone who would love him. He went looking for someone who would be there for him, someone who would fill the wounds in his heart by making a return of love. He came to France in the latter 17th century, and there he pleaded with the humble nun, St. Margaret Mary, 
Showing her his sacred heart, he said, Behold this heart. Look at this heart, which has so loved men that it has spared nothing, even to exhausting and consuming itself in order to testify its love. See the gash from the lance, the holes punctured by the sharp thorns, the cross planted deeply within. To show men how much I love them, I have endured all of this. I have given them peace after peace of my heart to the point that it is now covered with holes. But in return, I receive from the greater part only ingratitude by their irreverence, by their sacrilege, and by the coldness and contempt they have for me. You at least, our Lord then said to St. Margaret Mary, you at least give me the consolation of supplying for their ingratitude as far as you are able. You at least give me a piece of your heart to fill the holes in mine. Isn't that sad? That God had to do that? After all he's done for us. That he had to come begging for someone to make a return of love to him. Most of us, I would imagine, have experienced a void in our hearts. The death of a close relative or friend, a broken friendship perhaps, being treated with coldness in return for kindness or with ingratitude for a favor done. It hurts. And in many cases, to alleviate the pain, we look to God or to others for comfort. We look to them to fill the vacancy in our hearts. But when our Lord looks for that same comfort, all too often there is no one. I looked for one who would grieve together with me, but there was none. And for one who would comfort me, but I found none. And so today, he looks to us. We who have the one true faith, we who should be among his closest friends. He looks to us and he says, as he once said to St. Margaret Mary, you at least you at least supply for the ingratitude of men. Let us, my dear friends, not allow this heartfelt plea to go unanswered and force our divine Savior to keep looking for someone else, someone who will be there for him. 
Rather, let us rise to the occasion and fill the voids left in his heart by ungrateful men. You know, the very fact that we are here tonight is a testament of our love for the Sacred Heart. It shows him that we care. But we cannot let this love for the Sacred Heart extend to one day of the year. It must be constant. As we walk in the procession tonight, then, let us let the Sacred Heart know that we will always be there for him that we are sorry for our sins and that we will earnestly strive to make a return of love to him. And then let us promise to give him a piece of our heart each day by shunning the occasions of mortal sin and fleeing from anyone or anything that could lead us into sin. By being ever ready to forgive those who offend or insult us, not holding a grudge. By making the communion of reparation on the first Friday of every month and spending some time with the Eucharistic heart of Christ during the all-night adoration on first Fridays. And finally, by placing our confidence in him, entrusting our worries our cares, and our concerns into his hands. Confident that he will do or permit only what is best for us and for those whom we love. May we, my dear friends, with our lady's help, be the ones our divine Savior can count on. And as we look upon the sacred heart, the most beautiful heart of all. May we remember what our Lord did for us on Mount Calvary and how much he loves us, ever ready to make the sacrifices necessary to love him in return so that he may say of us, I looked for one who would grieve together with me, but there was one for one who would comfort me, and I found some. And finally, as you may have heard by now, this morning the Supreme Court overturned the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision which legalized abortion in the United States. This is truly a wonderful victory for our country. And no doubt the hand of God can be seen guiding the decision being promulgated as it was on this glorious feast of the Sacred Heart. As we kneel before the Blessed Sacrament tonight after the procession, let us thank the Sacred Heart of Jesus for his goodness and mercy towards our country and for hearing our prayers. And let us pray that this decision is the beginning of a moral restoration which our country so desperately needs. Let us implore the Sacred Heart through the Immaculate Heart of Mary to continue to bless, protect, and guide our beloved nation that it may return to the God-fearing country it once was. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.